This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win, order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You are watching and listening to Chris and Lester Till I Die TV on YouTube and your favorite podcasts. Hi, everybody. Jerry Taggart here. Be sure to watch Chris and Leicester Till I Die TV for all the latest Leicester City news and information. You can also subscribe on YouTube and various social media channels for the latest updates and news on Leicester Come on, you foxes! On the Pip Show with Chris and Xbox Julian Watts. Looking back at the past week at all things Leicester City. Right, Chris. All white there. All white the back. How are the how the devil are we, in fact? 
oh, what a night. <laughs> if it's sloppy seconds, and for once it's not Julian, he'll be happy to know. I've already had my sloppy seconds. What's the third? I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's uh, all down for that. The Watford fan couldn't make it last night. I've had to squeeze three in. I tell you what, it's a record, even for me, that. <laughs> in fact, I've got to be honest with you, I don't know if that's three in the night. Ask me ex-wife, it would look if it was three in a week. This is Leicester Till I Die TV, and this is where you can watch and listen to us. A normal, well, I say it's a normal, as normal as me and Julian can ever get. Uh, it's on the pitch show. Uh, and with these, we do tend to sort of take it a little bit outside of Leicester because it's nice to uh, talk about other football things as well. So um, we're going to be talking about, um, is it ever right to boo your own players? I mean, they were booed recently after the um, uh, Chelsea game uh, at a half-time and at full-time, and then they come back with two good performances. So is it the right way? Is it the only way that fans can really say how they feel or show how they feel? And, is I mean, I don't agree with booing during a match. That should never happen. But I kind of get... Yeah. We will ask Julian, and does it affect the players? That's the thing. And the second question that we're going to be asking him is, Ballon d'Or. Is it just a waste of time? I mean, you know, even even Celtic could win that if it was a football competition. And we might have a surprise third chat uh, in there and obviously fans' questions at the end. But it is the X on the Pitch show and it's time for the big, big moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen it's time for the main for event, the main of, the event of the evening. 60 minutes 60 of minutes football of fun and banter, banter with Chris, with Chris and Lester Till I Die TV. Are you ready? Ready? Let's get ready Good evening, Julian. How are you? I'm very good, Chris. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much. Uh, we've had a fan letter. <laughs> no way. <laughs> well, when, when I say fan letter, <laughs> um, it, it's from it's from a Karen, and I don't know whether uh, we should we should say that when it's from a Karen that it's a good a good thing or not. But it, it's it's kind of she can't say much. She said, and she can't say her surname because prison rules don't allow her to use a surname. <laughs> but I do think it's very nice of um, the governess at uh, HM Prison Holloway to let these letters go out, you know. And uh, obviously we're, we're being viewed all over. It says, Dear, dear Chris, love the um, love the show that you do every week with, with Julian, especially the top totty moment. It <laughs> says, Please, can you let us know in advance so we can order the magazines in because we don't have much to watch here. And it would be lovely if we could get um, get these magazines in. I can ask the governor if you would supply them. Well, I, 
Oh, yeah. P.S. If you could show the actual top totty page, that would be even better. I have to be honest with you here, Karen. I can't show the top actual top totty page because of copyright and, and, you know, it would be wrong. All I can do is at the start of every show, obviously, because this is growing for Julian. It is, you know, this is a sideline that, that's, that's growing for him. And I can tell you sort of what magazines he's in. Women in Golf was last week. This week, I, 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 he's absolutely surpassed himself here. <laughs> Practical picks. <laughs> I did just throw the pig as well, so... Uh... <laughs> Isn't that a fantastic-looking pig there? Centre <laughs> <You know>, so... <laughs> spread as well. I tell you what, them staples must have been painful. <laughs> <laughs> So listen, when Karen's on day release, can I can I take her out and show her my pig? <laughs> as long as you bring home the bacon. Bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> this is just getting silly now, isn't it? <laughs> Karen, just for you, have a word with the governess. Practical pigs. I just love some of these magazines that are out there. And, of course, this this is sponsored by Top Totty Beer. Slater's Top. They don't know the sponsor in it, but um, other beers are available just in case they, they actually sue me at all. So, um, <laughs> I bet you can't wait for this every week, can you? Oh, mate, I'm just looking forward to next week now. <laughs> we, well, we have gone. It's taken a bit of a dark twist, I think, this, hasn't it? You know. But uh, but hey, let, let's get serious. Let's get serious. We're not here to have fun. Um, <laughs> booing the fans. It was quite obvious. You couldn't avoid it in the Chelsea game. It was there at half time. It was there at full time. A bit of the Arsenal game as well. I mean, is it? I mean, fans say, "Well, we pay our money. It's only right we should show how we, you know, how we feel." They don't boo during the game. Um, which I think is is correct. I think you should never do that. But is it is it right ever that that fans boo their own team and their own players? It's a difficult one, Chris. I mean, I think boo, booing during the game. I mean, like that really just. I mean, it can affect the players. It can affect certain players more than others. But as a team, you know, you know that you know they feel like the supports sort of leaving you, and that's what you bank on. Mm. I mean, I always used to prefer playing away from home because. You had all the idiots, forget my expression, because they were the best fans who, whatever the result, you know, just sang yeah. for 90 minutes and really backed you up. And that was something. Mm. And we've had some great away days. You know, in my time, I had a great away days. And I know the fans now. You go away set somewhere and get a good result. And it's a great day. And it's even better for those fans who've paid the money, travelled, got down there, you know, whatever weather, and experienced that and just backed you up all the way. Um, I think booing after the game is a different one. I suppose, you know, like they say, they do, they pay the money. Yes. Uh, they want to let you know how they feel after they've paid the money, and it is their hard earned money. And I mm. sort of do get it, and it's never nice for the players, never nice at all. You know, even after a defeat, you want to go and clap the fans, and sometimes you do feel a bit awkward about that if you've not performed. But, um, I suppose in my mind now, I think, yeah, they do have the right to boo. They've paid the money and you've not performed and you've lost or not got the right result. I suppose they have that right, but it still hurts the players. still hurts the players, whatever, you know. And, and, and I've been mm. away sometimes. You've been away somewhere or, or or even at home and you, you've worked your socks off and the result's not gone your way and the fans appreciate that. 
and the the nice thing is then that you've got that connection with the fans where you can go and you can go up to them and you know just yeah you can go and applaud them and they applaud you back because they know that you've put the effort in and for whatever reason it didn't happen on that day. And I think the the times when you get booed is when they feel like you haven't performed as a team. And sometimes that's more tactically than anything else. We've spoke about this before, about the effort that players put, put in on mm. a match day. And I don't think they shy away from that. But sometimes when a team dominates you, it can look like you've not tried, but actually it's just the other team have been so much better. And the Chelsea game is a real good indication or example of that. And you, you can understand it on that day. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to be honest with you, you know, as a fan, I mean, I used to do this when, 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 I, when I was younger, that I used to get the games at the start of the season and used to have one of those charts where you, you, know, you, got, you got it from the football thing and you could stick the team in the table and change it every week. And I'd be mm. looking at games thinking, oh, that's a win. Uh, yeah. That's a draw. We, we might lose that one. And, and in fairness, that Chelsea game probably was one that I would probably have said it was a given. You know, the, the, the way they're playing at the moment, you know, even though the Burnley got the draw the week before, it, it was one that was going to be... Um, uh, Seen. So I'm just looking at Terry's uh, comment, but you know, sometimes you know when I've watched Leicester recently, and I will never. I mean, I, I always say when when we have the great escape season. I think I've said this before. You know, I travelled eight hours return journey to watch a team that was sat at the bottom of the Premier League, but I know every single week they were putting a, a stint in. They were mm. trying. You can you can see, and I'm not saying that it's it's. I've said before they're not going to go out and not try. But I was I'm not sure. I think it was whether it was the Chelsea or probably the Arsenal game more more than Chelsea. I think is it was like watching, you know, your, your grandson starting on FIFA. 2021 and not understanding the rules and passes were going behind a player uh, you think oh I have a shot and he passes it out you know I think that's what that's what got to me it was just the, the basics if you like I think yeah I, I sort of agree with that I, I think it's it, we've talked about this a lot it's the expectations that we have on the team because of how they performed in the past five, six years, you know, they've been in that high positions. And then you still think if they go to Chelsea and get beat, they're going to put up a fight and they're going to be in the game and there's going to be a scrap and we're going to have chances and we're going to have moments and we might get back into the game. And I think, but I think with that Chelsea game, it was like, you know, it was like a fighter fighting someone who wasn't even at the races and, you know, didn't even have a chance of knocking him out. And it just looked so bad. It looked like we were so far away from where we'd been. And, you know, I sort of get that with the supporters on that particular game. Uh, maybe the Arsenal game a little bit. And again, we've had a couple of games where we don't, it doesn't seem like we competed. And I think we said this last week is that fans always appreciate when you get a tackling, when you get close to someone. Yeah. And when a team passes around you, you don't get anywhere near them and, and you just a, a few seconds behind them and they're passing out, which Chelsea did absolutely brilliantly, you know, against Man United the other day without getting the result. But at times they really pass the ball well and we want people you know we want us as a team to be competitive and when you don't look competitive i think that's when the fans have had enough and they want to vent their frustrations because you know it's a men and boys situation and, and we're the boys and we don't like to see that in comparison to what we've done in the last few seasons i mean they say that they don't uh but do you think players ever sort of do read i mean 
I understand, and I would never, no matter how bad a player has been or performed, like I say, I know that he's not gone out purposely to do that, but he has had a bad game, but I would never go onto his personal social media and, and, and post, you know, some of these disgusting posts that are. Mm. But I've got this vehicle here that we, we, we sat here that I can I can say in the post-match show. Um, do you think sort of the players ever actually go on to some of the sites and have a look and think, let's just see what they're saying about me after that game. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure they get notifications as well, and it, and it is a terrible thing. So, again, you know, Chris, you've got this vehicle that we're, we're both using tonight, but we're talking, it, you know, in a, in a different sort of level, and we, we all know and we've all heard of the absolute horrible levels that are talked on social media, and, it, and it's that thing is, you know, would you close your account now? Why would you have an account? Because... You know, the social media bit, when it started, it was always a bit of fun and it was a bit of contact. And, yes. you know, I'm in contact with people I've not seen for years, but and that's all a fantastic thing. But when you're in the spotlight, it then becomes this negative thing where you get people not just saying that you've had a bad game today, but it goes a lot, lot deeper and a lot, lot worse yes. than that. And the yeah. problem we've got with social media is that no one's accountable. You know, mm. I, I personally think that anyone who joins it as a Twitter account or as an Instagram, Facebook, whatever, you know, their address should be on there. Their IP address mm. should be on there. They should be contactable. And if they're not, they shouldn't be allowed to have an account because they're not accountable for what they say and do. They sit there, keyboard warriors, absolute cowards who call people out and, you know, they've never done anything, you know, never had a day's work yeah. in their life or they've never done anything in their life. And yet they sit there and, and feel like they can sort of spout off. And I think that's just a, a vile part of society that we, we live in now. But unfortunately it seems that we have to accept it because the social media sites don't want to get down into that nitty-gritty of you know who you are and where you're from and they can just anonymously you know post whatever they want and that's not right the social media that we sort of got into as as we all have done was a bit of fun and it's become mm. not fun uh, and it's become a real sort of bad part of society and it, and it seems at the minute that you know, they're not strong enough to really do anything to resolute that. I think they don't want to. I think that's what it's down Correct. to. Because, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, they're it's thinking all about money, of, like the numbers. All the time, Chris. All about money. Yes, yeah. It, 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 it so is. And like I say, I, I, I don't agree with that personally. You know, if, 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 I'm, you know, if I'm watching a game and I know that, you know, and it might be Perez, but, but you know, he hasn't had a particularly good game, then I feel... I'm, I'm within my right to say Perez didn't play well today. He was bloody awful. Um, but then on the on the, on the other side, you've got to say, he's had a good game today if he has played well, given the praise he deserves. But, I mean, I, I wasn't at the games, although I am going to Southampton tomorrow. But would the manager use that and sort of, you know, when he got them in there at half time, said, have you heard what that, you know, the, that's that's what they think of you. Are you going to let them get away with that? Would he use it psycho psychologically? Yeah, Martin, Martin definitely would have done. And I, but the thing mm -hmm. is, I'm going back, you know, 20 odd years, Chris, it's a different environment now. Um, but yeah. I, would have, I would have said they probably would have mentioned it now, but Martin mm. definitely would, you know. And even if the crowd weren't booing, he'd be saying, you know, are you going to serve that up again? For all these people who've paid all this money to come and watch you and paid good money to watch you, are you going to go and put that out again this second half, or are you going to pull yourselves together and go and do something about it and get yourselves back into the game? So definitely would have been using our time. I think it probably would be now, but like we say, we've got this other side of it that's you know quite quite naughty, uh, yeah. if I'm honest. But um, yeah, you know, like Martin would have 
definitely, definitely touched on that. And, and we would have all been conscious of it as players. You know, there, there's probably games where, and I don't remember the Leicester fans doing this because we actually, I think I always feel like we, we didn't, we, 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 we did sort of overachieve. So even when we had bad days, mm. they really weren't that bad with us. And we sometimes we had some bad days, but I feel like us as a team, I always knew if we had a bad day, we knew we had a bad day. And we were actually quite, you know, we were, we were sorry about it. We'd go to the fans and clap and looking at them thinking, you know, we're really sorry about this. But I don't remember us having days like this when we got booed, even after games. Because we, we we gave them that many good days that you know the bad days they could take on the chin if you like. It is, and and like you said earlier, it is expectations. Um, yeah. We expect yeah. more because of what they've done for the last two seasons. But mm. I I can't remember ever seeing a game when Martin O'Neill was manager when they were they didn't sort of give a hundred or you guys didn't give a hundred and ten percent. So I don't think Martin would have allowed that. He will tell you, I'm sure, the exact time and when he got booed after Sheffield United. Yeah. I think that's ingrained in his mind. Um, mm. But I can imagine Martin using that as a as a G up, even just for himself. Yeah, he did. You know, we and, and I think if I remember, if my, my memory serves it correctly, we went down to. I'm sure we went down to Charlton the Tuesday night afterwards, and it was a big conversation about you know. That can't happen again. You know, this is... But, you know, then we had Walshie back and we had one or two more back and Muzzy started the game against Charlton and we won 1-0. And I'm sure, and I might be wrong, I've got... I'm open. I'm not wrong, but I'm sure that was the game after the, the Sheffield United game. And it really galvanised us, to be honest. We all knew what the gaffer had gone through. We knew he'd invited the fans into the, you know, into his office. We yeah. knew all the, you know, the... Excuse my language, but shit, he'd had to take that day. Yeah. He was having a bad time as it was. You know, the expectations were even the expectations then were different than they are now. I mean, now they're absolutely massive. But at that time, it was like we should be, we should be looking at this top six, you know, championship mm. place. Uh, and and we, we could all feel that. I mean, and personally, God, I had an absolute stinker on my debut for a new club. And for me, it was like a fish out of water. It's my first time going from a club to go into someone else's first team. When I left Rotherham to go mm-hmm. to Wednesday, I, w- I was going to be developed in the reserve team. I'd left Wednesday to come to be a first team regular in a Leicester team and had an absolute nightmare on my debut, which nobody wants. And you yeah. want to put that right. And, and I think that was right through the team. We all wanted to put it right. Muzzy differently just wanted to go out and perform because he was like chomping at the bit to, refor- to perform. And that's where, you know, that galved- galvanises a team and, and we kicked on from there. And Martin definitely used, you know, the scenario of that Sheffield United game. And obviously, you know, it resonated with myself because of performance and who we'd played against and lost against. So, yeah, you know, it was a big factor. I think as well, I think obviously you, you boo opposing players, you know. We all remember the reception Harry Maguire got recently, you know. <laughs> Although they could have been just been booing his performance, it was that bad. But, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. But I think with the way that they booed, and like I say, I think I think to a point it is acceptable when uh, say when the when the the match is not actually being played. I think by doing it like that as well, they're not sing, singling out any one player. Yeah. yeah. I, again, I don't yeah. agree with that because it's a team no. game, you know, and any anybody can have an off day, so you accept that. But when the team as a whole performs badly, and whether that's from doing what the managers told them or not, that's when, to me, 
you know, it, it, it's acceptable because you're not picking on one particular person. Yeah, I think I agree with that, Chris. I think, like, if you booed an individual of your own team, you're absolutely killing him on the day of the game. Mm. And if you're just booing him during the game, you know, the players hear that mm. and all of a sudden, and I, like I say, we've, we've mentioned this many a time, it stops you doing what you're good at because you become frightened to do what you're good at because, you know, if you make a mistake, the crowd are on your back and yeah. then it stops your natural game and it stops what you're good at. And then if you were stopping five or six players being what they're good at, you know, the team's performance is just going to go down and down and down. So, you know, during the games, it's definitely not for me. Uh, and, and, and and as fans, you're really having a, such a negative impact that you probably don't realise. I, I think a lot of fans think that, well, the footballers, they're used to it. Uh, water off a duck's back, you know, we're booing and we're letting them know how they feel and they should just get on with it. It really does affect performances of individuals and then performances of teams. And, and then you're having a negative impact on the team that you supported. So during a game, I really, really don't get it. I think it's just, mm. you know, a, a bad thing that fans need to understand. But I, I do think that after games, you know, it's if it's a bad performance and you're on a string of bad ones, you know, I suppose they get the right, you know, they are, they, they, they go out and earn money every week and they're buying season tickets. And, you know, if you take your missus and your two kids, you know, it's got to be 100, 100 quid plus. And I think you sit there and think, I've got the right to sort of vent my anger. And especially if they're underperforming, um, mm. you know, so that there is that factor to it. I think, I think to me, that's what it was. And it, it it's funny. I mean, I, I guess as an opposing player, going back to your old club, Depending on how you you left the club, but you're always going to get booed, especially if you like with Maguire, he's gone to a bigger club. So, he, and that I would imagine as as the opposing player, because I always hate booing the opposing players. As I'm thinking, like this is going to come back and bite us on the arse. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so that's you know, I think that's you know, that's acceptable. I think that that goes on all the time. But it's just yeah. surprising that since that performance, we've had two. And it's not the fact that we've had two wins. We've had two good performances. Yeah. You know, yeah, we've... we have. We have. And, and I'm, you know, again, I still think we've not found the right shape and formation. You know, I, I know on Saturday mm. he changed it again and it worked. Uh, but, you know, I'm still not sure what he's going to do the next game and the next game and the next mm. game. So I still think that's a little bit up in the air. But, you know, sa you know, the weekend was a, a fantastic performance in difficult conditions where... Your key players, Madison, perform well. Vardy, you know, was just what we talk about. Vardy, you know, week in, week out. So, you know, that, that like I say, that that worked out for us. I'm still unsure about, you know, what direction we've got because it feels like we're still not decided what's the best way forward. But on Saturday, we, we, we invited Barnes and Luckman in. Two fantastic players for me, very exciting players. Is it still the right way to play? Like I say, it worked that day. I think we'll probably persevere with that until it goes wrong and then we might look at something else. I would rather see us, you know, a bit more settled. Uh, and I don't think we are settled still. No. Um, but, I mean, that that just to touch on that European result, you know, what I did, well, I mean, as you know, I write the Tuesday talking point on, on BBC Radio Leicester's page. And I put there, like, what a difference a week in football can make. You know, this time last week, it was all doom and gloom. We were bottom of our European group looking at an early exit or even possibly the conference. Now it's in our own hands. We could actually go through top of the league, you know, yeah. and it, it's funny. It, it, 
I can say, I suppose it depends on the player, you know, and I, I can't say as much as I'd like to that, oh, yeah, the fact that they got booed made the players think, right, well, we're going to go and show them. I suppose it depends on the individual player, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Europe, European result was a great result. And, we, and I think we sat last week and we said we ended the show, you know, sort of saying, you know, what a difference this week could make. You know, mm. we've got Watford, which could be a real, real banana skin. We've got the, you know, the European game before that. We've come through with flying colours, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I, I still want to see more of I think like, he, he excites me a lot and I think he should be introduced a lot more. Um, but it, it's just that thing of the formation and, and I know we've settled. You know, getting a great result doesn't mean that, you know, we, we've we've turned the corner. Uh, mm. And I'm not sure we have. But again, you just take the results as they come at the moment. And two great results. You know, get a result against Napoli. We can actually, you know, we can top the league. When you know, a few weeks ago, I was thinking, and we all we said, you know, we could actually be bottom of the league, and we yes. look like we could top it, even though it's going to be a difficult game. We're more than capable of going over there and getting the right result. Um, and then we've just got to keep this, you know, this league form on. And again, you know, we touched on last week. We were so many points. I think we we're six points off. Champions League, but six points off relegation. And it's like, mm. which way do we go? Do we stick with Twist? And we've won the game against Watford. And all of a sudden, the future looks a little bit brighter uh, than it than it did. Um, it does. And, yeah. and, and, we, and we now need to, you know, sort of kick on from this. On the plus side, it was nice to see the reception Claudio got. Yeah, amazing. You know, and, and listen, we should... We should never forget what he did. You know, I'll always say, and because he's an old teammate of mine, I thought Nigel Pearson did an absolutely mm. fantastic did. job to the latter parts of that season and yes. really put a solid foundation in there. But, you know, if would Nigel have won the Premier League? We don't. We'll, we'll never, ever know that. But Claudio no. came in and actually did it. And that is where we just go, God, you know, well done. What a season. Big, big mm. thanks. And, and he got an absolutely fantastic, you know, reception. Uh, and quite rightly so, and you know he's he's going down in in history and folklore, you know as a legend of the club, and and you know he, he steered us right through that season to the to the title, uh, and, and like I say, it was nice to see. And it, it was nice that he seems like a very humble man, and he was so emotional yes. about it, and he got a bit upset, yeah. which is absolutely lovely, you know. Yeah. See someone yeah. coming. It wasn't just a job to him. He feels part of the club and. You know, that's, I, you I know. don't think he, um, he, he. The first time he'd been back since the sacking, apart from yeah. obviously he did come for the the game following the chairman's um, yeah. passing. But of course, that wasn't a time to to, to welcome anybody back and what have no, you. But no. No, it was nice to see. He's a very uh, humble guy. I always and I think it's the funny thing is people have slowly accepted. Nigel's part in that because I don't think mm. had Nigel not done what he'd done the season before, I don't think that Claudio would have gone on and won that. I think the, the combination of the two, it was a perfect mm. storm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Chris. Like I say, you know, Nigel could have stayed, took that season on. We'll never ever know. He might not no. have won the league, and it, like you say, but it, it, I definitely think he, he deserves a massive, you know, recognition for. You know, I think I think in the last ten games, I'm sure they had the best form in the Premier League in the last yeah. ten games, yeah, and that is so, an absolute yeah. foundation for a new manager mm. to come and build on, where you can come in and see that there's there's potential there. And but yeah. then we have to give Claudio, you know, the recognition for him continuing that. And and yes. listen, he carried it through and and went and did it. And it's unfortunate, you know, the way the next season turned out. And I think 
for me, in that season, Leicester were a surprise to everybody. The way we played, we had a stoic defence that sort of sat back a little bit and Vardy was always looking on the break. And we had a few players that people have even heard of or known about that performed unbelievably well. And it, we, we surprised everyone. And then that's the problem. The next season, you're not a surprise. And that's when it becomes hard work for the manager. And that's where people like Pep Guardiola, despite you know the tons of cash that they have, and Jurgen Klopp, again, the tons of cash, Tuchel as well to an extent, is that's where I think they're paid the big money and they're at the big clubs because they reinvent themselves every season. Pep's definitely yeah. done that. And I think Klopp has as well. And Tuchel, again, looks like the real deal. So, uh, which what makes, you know, the Premier League good. But unfortunately, you know, Claudio couldn't, you know, sort of reinvent Leicester as a team and, and get the results that we needed. Yeah. And we send all our best on to Nigel, who, who's not, you know, 100% health-wise at the moment. So, our thoughts mm. uh, and best wishes go to Nigel. Absolutely. As indeed they do to Terry, who is... Uh, and, I, and you have my sympathy here. Um, is that he had his COVID booster and he's totally knackered. I tell you what, funny thing is, I had my booster last weekend, not the one just gone, the one before, and it was Pfizer, which was the two I had before for one and two, and I was completely out of it. Whether it was because I had the flu jab at the same time, I don't know, but completely, completely didn't, didn't sort of even get out of bed for a couple of days. It was the weirdest thing, but. Uh, David, senior question. We'll, we'll we'll come back to that at the end when we do when we do the fans' questions. But and I've got to be careful. I don't bring up um, Pig Weekly or whatever it was again, haven't I? Here, uh, we have a look at this now. The Ballon d'Or. Uh, there is it becoming a joke? Um, I think you just you just look at it now, and 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 you know it's caused a bit of a stink. This this. Um, this year, for some reason more than others. Um, but Messi, I mean, he's won it seven times. Ronaldo, five. I mean, are they, I mean, I know they're good, but come on, seven times. And, you know, he, he didn't play for quite a bit of the season, Messi, between changing clubs and what have you. Um, I think for me, it's never been a joke until this point, if I'm honest. But right now, mm. you know, I mean, we're today talking to people, I'm talking to other mates, and we're all saying, how has he won it? You know, and, and that's yeah. the problem. And, and and I think we've had in Messi and Ronaldo two unbelievable... It, it would be like an era with Pelé and Maradona, you know, yeah. vying for a Ballon d'Or. It would have been like, what a competition that would have been. And probably no one else would have come into the, into the offing quite rightly. And we've had the same thing with Messi and Ronaldo. And they are two absolute, you know, legends of the game, top of the game. And they have been for years. But I feel with them both right now that they've, they've probably just gone over the top of the hill. You know, Messi's yeah. not particularly gone to Paris Saint-Germain and, and, and lit the world up. And Ronaldo's actually scored the goals, obviously didn't play at the weekend and we could all see his disappointment. But, mm. you know, it, the, 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 the neither, even though they have still got that quality, they've neither, I don't think either of them have got the energy that provides that quality to make them the best players you know, and, and I think now we're both going to probably discuss in a minute other players who we probably think would, you know, have won that award in, instead of them. Because, yeah. um, like I say, ability-wise, fantastic. Both, for me, past the sell-by date. Yeah. I mean, if I was to say to you how many belonged, and I have trouble saying this, <laughs> I'm going to try that in my teeth in. 
Ballon d'Ors. <laughs> I've, had, I've had to write it out phonetically here, so I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Balloon d'Ors. <laughs> how many Ballon d'Ors did Pelly win? I'm taking it was a zero, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a zero. Yeah. Eusebio yeah. got one. Um, Johan Cruyff, and, you know, we're talking a good player here, got three. Yeah. You know, um, Van Basten, three. Kevin Keegan, two. Uh, Eusebio, one. You know, and I, I, you know classic players. Rude Hullet, one. Zinedine Zidane, one. All these players we're looking at as a Ronaldo and Messi, that much better than they were in their day. I don't think they were. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think when you, you're talking about the list there, I've got a couple of funny ones, really, because I don't think Keegan was, like, blessed with ability, but he had that low centre mm -hmm. of balance. He obviously did well. He went over to Hamburg, and he was, like, fantastic. Mm -hmm. He was amazing for England. Went to Newcastle later in his career. Was was It was amazing. You can see why, you know, he might have got it in, in, that, in those years. Johan Cruyff was, you know, on a different sort of level to – his time, a different level yeah. – you know, to everybody else. but I, And I think, as I've just said, the battle between the two has been fantastic, but that battle should have probably ended maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, if I'm yeah. honest, but it definitely shouldn't have carried on to this year. And I'm not sure when it runs to and from and what season it relates to that Messi's got it. But for me, it's so undeserving. And I, th I think it's a bit of an embarrassment on the actual trophy itself that, that mm. he's got it because... It's so undeserving, and I don't mean that in a bad way because he's been a legend for years and years, and fully deserved all the you know accolades, you know the Adelaide's accolades he's had, and you know yeah. all that kind of stuff. But right now, he's not that player. He's become a good player in a good team, whereas before he was the superstar in a great team. Uh, and I think that's the difference we've got now. And that's why, I'm, like I say, I, I can think of a couple of players off the top of my head now that deserve it far more than either Ronaldo or Messi this year. I'm just looking here. Uh, apart from 2019 and this year, it, every single year since 2007, it's been one of them first and one of them second. Mm. Uh, Virgil van Dijk got it. He came second last se last season. Uh, although it can't be. It's got to be a year, hasn't it? Because we're mm. in December, so it can't yeah. be a season, surely. Um, no. The one they're saying that deserved it more, um, Robert Lewandowski. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> straight away I'd go to him. You know, he, he just, I mean, he scored a great overhead kick last week. He, and it's that thing of he's getting older and older as well, but he just seems to be performing uh, be better and better. And, and the others that I thought about were, and I'm not saying, you know, definites, but not they don't seem to get any, uh, you know, consideration around the other two. But, you know, Giorgino has just won the European Cup with Italy. And, he, yeah. you know, for me, I think I, I, thought, I, felt, I felt it was a bit of a soft midfielder, but could play maybe under uh, Lampard but or, or before that. But then when Tuchel's come in, he looks a bit keener, a bit harder. He manages games better. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. And the other one is like Mo Salah. And I'm like, you know, what a absolute season or two he's had or three or four yeah. even and you know to score all the goals he scored and the way that he scored he's you know he's like goal of the month every month on match of the day or there or thereabouts and you know a wonderful player Sad you could even go Sadio Mane and you know people like that and it, it just seems like it's concentrated on those and then you start to think is it political and if it's political then it, you know it's not worth winning for me it's uh they've got to be far more consideration you know a bit broader spread 
and and in <laughs> it's not even anymore a FIFA award. <laughs> FIFA FIFA do their own. It was for a while the FIFA Ballon d'Or, uh, mm. but it, it, it's actually just a French magazine. Yeah. That, that produce it. I mean, why it's got as big as it is, I don't know. But I mean, this uh, how they I say how they do the scoring because he won this season um, with six hundred and thirteen points. Lionel Messi, uh, Robert Lewandowski got five hundred and eighty, and Jorginho was third. So there was no Ronaldo in there at all with four sixty. And I, I just like I say. I just can't see whether it was because he went to Paris Saint-Germain and they're French. Allegedly, that might have had an effect on it. I don't know. I have to remember that word. It's very important, mm. you know. But I just, I just, you know, I look at it now and I'm thinking, like, what does it matter? You know. Mm. I, 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 think, I think you might have just touched on it, Chris. You know, it's a French magazine award and he's just gone to Paris Saint-Germain. And he has been a legend. You know, we can all say we've all watched him and, you know, some of the stuff he's done over the years has been like unbelievable. What a phenomenal player he's been! But you know, right now he, he's coming to the end of his career. He's you know he's lucky to be where he's at, or not lucky. You know, he's still got yeah. the ability, but he's definitely not the player he was three or four years ago. And neither is Ronaldo. But Ronaldo is still performing to a high level, scoring all the goals for you know for Man United, and probably been a savior a few times this season for them. Yes. But, He's not the Ronaldo of, you know, when he first signed for Juventus and when he was at Real Madrid and, you know, when he left. I always thought the first few years at Man United, they did ever so well with him because he was very, um, uh, God, he, he was so frustrating. He, he he wasn't the final piece there, but he had the potential. Mm. And I really feel that Man United really brought that potential out of him, made it the player that he's actually gone on and gone on and to be. But he has got that real strong mentality that he's wanted to improve himself continuously. But I thought the grounding he had at Man United really was the platform that made him or you know, helped him make himself, you know, you know, be the player that is. But he's certainly yeah. not that player now, and he's not the player he was four years ago. So yeah, it's a frustrating. And and then I think the the thing that we, we've both just touched on is that you know, do we look at that award anymore and think it stands? you know, anyone in good stead? Because we both think, well, this mm. year's been a bit of a joke. So does it matter who gets it next year? Because, you know, what, you know, how's that decision made? And do we, do we yeah. really give it any credence? You know, that that's the problem with that now. I'm going to test you again here now. Because um, <laughs> I know, I know, I know you were around in 1956. Uh, <laughs> regularly. Um, do you know who the first ever winner of the first ever Blondor, oh, here we go. Got it. I did it again. <laughs> that Blondor, um, winner was 56. I wouldn't know, and, I, and I'm thinking like so. I mean, the players I know are from the World Cup, which would have been you know the 66 World Cup, which would have been Eusebio yeah. and players like that. And Pele was just getting on the scene then, so uh, I, I, I would never have, have to bow down to your superior knowledge, Chris, on this occasion. And, and my fact that I've got a second screen here with the answer on. <laughs> but it does make me look clever, you know. No, the first ever one was Stanley Matthews. Bloody, honestly, would never have got that. No. But what no. a fantastic thing. Yeah. And there was, he, he, second was De Stefano, which I think was the real Madrid goalkeeper, I believe. Yeah. Could be wrong. And Raymond Copper uh, from Real Madrid. Um, a lot of Spanish clubs at there. Billy Wright was second the year after with Duncan Edwards joint third. 
So uh, we've had a, we've had a few Brits in there, um, but uh, yeah, we, we we shall see where it goes. I think uh, as I've, it's been a bit of a stink this year, definitely. I think uh, so. Maybe if it's going to happen, it'll happen next 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 year, mm. possibly. You know, but uh, we're going to fit a third one in because we've got a bit of time. If you're okay with that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Julian, yeah, and um, we'll be straight back after this. Leicester Till I Die TV, your first choice for everything Leicester City. Tune in and join in now. We weren't going to do this, but I thought, why not just touch on it quickly? Because there's nothing like having to go at another team when they're struggling. Some would say that they're doing it, they're doing it correctly, but I've I've got it here. Um Manchester United, how far as an iconic club have they fallen? I mean, to me, Man United, and I'm going to give them some credit here, they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. They're a worldwide club that players and managers should be dying to go to. You know, it's like, you know, you get a call, it's Man United. And there's there's not many clubs like that, obviously Barcelona, Real Madrid as well. Um, maybe not Norwich, in fairness to them, but yeah, they are absolutely... And you can't even say that about Manchester City. They haven't got the history of this theme that Man United have got. What are they doing? I mean, they've, they've got... They had a manager who was an ex-player that, that, let's be honest with you, got them into Champions League for the last couple of seasons. He dug them out the shit when, um, you know, he took over for Mourinho and he got the players playing again. Uh, he got them to second. He got them to a final, the Europa League final, and missed out thanks to about the 500th penalty. Um, obviously, he couldn't handle the big stars. It wasn't going well. So they sack him and put in a temporary manager who was his coach, his assistant manager, who was part of the team that were causing the problem. And now they've gone and appointed an interim manager when surely they should be they should be sat there waiting for the phone to ring and people ringing them up and going, "Have you can I have the job? Can I apply? How do I apply?" Yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. I, I think God, there's a, there's a lot of things I can say on that. I never thought Solskjaer was the man. I thought he came in no. and lifted the mood when the mood was really low. Mourinho, especially with his attacks on Luke Shaw, the way he talked about the team, the players, and and we all know that Mourinho styles. I don't want to say negative because he's been a super successful manager, but he yeah. is more about stopping the other team than winning the game. And I've always said that Klopp and uh, Pep go and win the game. Mourinho stops, stops the other team and then tries to go and nick something. And it's a total different management style, but we, we can't deny that he has been a super successful manager, you know, just about everywhere he's been. Um, so there is that, but I, I never thought Ollie was the man. He came in and just, made it a happy place to be again. And it wasn't a happy place. And yep. that in itself is a big lift to the players. New guy comes on board. We're all chatting. We're all good. The training ground's a happy place. And that showed in the performances. And then funnily enough, when he got the job, then it all went, you know, started to go a bit awry. And that was a, mm. uh, that was a sign of, of what was to come. I think one of the biggest problems they've had is they've had probably one of the greatest managers that we'll ever see in our lifetime. Yes. Who came yeah. and for such a long time was dominant and, you know, we was going to that when he was going to retire and he had a really bad yeah. season. He decided not to retire and then just came back stronger and stronger. And that's when I talked to 
you know, a few moments ago saying about um, Klopp and Pep who can reinvent themselves. Ferguson mm. came back, reinvented the wheel, brought players in. I remember the season he brought Van Persie in and, you know, it was a bit strange that it was 29 at the time, but he came in and, God, what an important piece of the jigsaw he was. And yep. he got rid of Yap Stam and, you know, Nistelrooy, we thought was a legend, but, he, you know, he had a best before date as well. That was just such a massive, massive part of, you know, probably the last 20 years of Manchester United. And that the thing is now, who can follow that? And no one's mm. been able to follow it because it's been an absolute chasm to come into. Yes. And and David Moyes, I think, said this on the show before, would have licked his lips because he was doing so well at Everton and thought, oh, and, and Ferguson recommended him. But did he know what he was coming into? And, and would he, you know, looking mm. back now, would he have took the job? I probably think he'd say no. You know, yes. his career's gone on and he's had a few mishaps and and he's doing ever so well now at West Ham and he's proven that he's a great coach and a manager. But would he have done that again at the same time that was offered it? I'm not so sure, but maybe Man United is too difficult to turn down. Maybe if they come knocking. But exactly what you've said, Chris, is right now, you know, they shouldn't be waiting to, like, yes. you know, wheedle out the right manager. They should, they should have agents screaming, saying, I have got the man for you in it. And it doesn't seem like they have, and whether the best people in are in jobs, you know, obviously Potticino's one of those, or mm. you know, contractually. But you know, they brought in this guy who apparently a very good coach, but we're just gonna have to wait and see how it unfolds. But to bring someone in for six months, it, it's a really weird thing for a like you say, one of the biggest clubs in the world to do, and it, it is quite puzzling to be honest, and doesn't send out the right message to the fans. No, I don't think it does at all. I mean, you know, it makes you wonder. And I don't think it's going to be Rodgers, to be honest with you. I mean, he's come out and said he doesn't want it anyway again. Um, he said that. He seems to be saying that every week about one club or another. <laughs> um, but then again, you know, you look at, and I said this to a Manchester United fan, you know, you've sacked Oli, who's got you into two Champions League um, uh, uh, seasons when we'd failed. You know, you got to um, to second and fourth. Both times you were above us. Um, would you then go for, and say, oh, yeah, but, you know, Rodgers has won the FA Cup and he's won the uh, uh, um, English Super Cup, and um, <laughs> as I like to call it. I know but, what you mean. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whether it's going to be, but... And I don't think I don't think Rogers would leave. I don't think Rogers dare leave mid-season again after what he did at Celtic. But I do think another manager, if they said, "Look, it's now or never. If you want to come and get this job, you come now." You shouldn't be. You should not be even taking two thoughts about it. Because this is Manchester United. Yes, I'm coming. You know, and what does this this Ragn? I always think of Thor Ragnarok or whatever it is. <laughs> this Ragnarok, yes, he, he seems to be very good, and he may move up into a director of football role. I don't know, but are they going to give him money in January? Because if he is, is he going to be buying players that six months later the new guy comes in doesn't want? Uh, which obviously happens if you sack a manager anyway, but not yeah. when you. And it. I think I think it's a strange one, and I, I'm not sure they can give him money in January because. Um, what, what if they do and he's only there for six months? How, mm. how do you give a manager that time? I think for me, the conversations, and this is just me, you know, surmising would be more about this is the squad we've got. What can you do to steady the ship? And I think that's all he's coming to do, steady the ship. You know, and apparently from all the comments you see from his peers, I know 
Tuchel played under him and I know Klopp's come up against him and they all talk very highly of him. He's a big thinker. He's a very organised, high presser, which is, you know, something that I think, I'm not sure how many United players, or well, there are going to be some big names that don't really take to that. Mm. Uh, so that's going to be a diff- difficult one. But the fact that he's so organised, and I think he just comes in to, to stop the rot, steady the ship. You know, they've probably given up on the season. They don't for a Champions League place at best. Uh, other than that, might be Europa League. Um, but I, I don't, I don't understand how they can bring in or let him sign a big player, knowing that yeah. at the end of the season they're looking at bringing someone else in, unless behind the backs of everyone they're consulting this manager and saying, if we bring him in, is that all right? And I, that's just so wrong in every, you know, in every it manner is. of what you, you know, what you expect of totally. the big club. Totally, and. I mean, you know, there was the game, wasn't there, um, at the weekend where it wasn't Carrick, but one of the other coaches had an earpiece in and they reckoned whether Ragnarok, whatever he's called, was was sending messages. I mean, surely it wouldn't, Michael Carrick wouldn't have dropped Ronaldo. Was that there was this, this Ragnarok saying, I'm going to put my foot down, you're going to see who's the boss, you're not uh, playing? You know what? I, I honestly don't know, Chris, but I'd be amazed if that was right. Um... Uh, having said that, it's a massive, massive call for for Carrick. Uh, so then you do start to wonder. And then we saw, you know, uh, you know, Darren on on with the earpiece in. Yeah. I can't imagine, but you know, you never know. For me personally, I was thinking that can't be it. That can't be the reason they've come here with a game plan. They want to press. You know, Ronaldo's not really a presser. But having said that, um, you know, I don't think uh, Fernandez is. So I would have played Ronaldo instead. I'd have Fernandez, if it was me, yeah. uh, just said to Ronaldo, "You stay up top, and we're going to press behind you." But then you, you know, you sort of have to think they've already named him. Is he coming in? I couldn't see it, but then I can't sort of hundred percent say it wouldn't be. No, no what no. happened? You know, it's a real, real difficult. I'd be disappointed if that was the case. If I'm honest, yeah. it, you know, I think Carrick did a great job against you know Villarreal in the in the week, got the win, and for me now, when they brought this guy in. I felt personally like, why not? I know Carrick's been in part of the team, but are you always allowed to express what you want? You know, I mm-hmm. you, you could be a, an assistant manager with your views on things, but you actually need to back the manager up. And if you're a good assistant manager, that's what you do. So are they, you know, have they always like backed up what Ollie's philosophy is and how he wants to do things? And when he's got the opportunities, I've gone, do you know what? I wouldn't have done it like that. And I've got, the, I can see the players. I work with them every day. This is how I'm going to do it. Why wouldn't you leave him in charge for six months? Or if not, say that you're looking for an interim manager, but really just go, Michael, you know, steer us into a good place. Let's see how it goes. See how you do. And we're going to be looking at, you know, the the future ahead of you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure why that's not the case. But, you know, if this guy's as good as they say he is, they're bringing him for six months. If he steadies the ship and then he's going to be a consultant. But how do you feel as a manager coming in that knowing you've got a consultant who's just managed yeah. the team? It, it all really is Mickey Mouse for such a It's a bit of a mess, isn't it, really? It is, it's, you know. it's a massive mess. It's I mean, mess. maybe Rio would turn around and say, Carrick's at the wheel. Give him the job now. He's not. We've not lost him <laughs> too, you know. But, and just going back to what you're saying, you know, we're talking about signings and what have you. Um, who could you buy that would improve that team? When you look at it, and you know, you could argue that it's a team of individuals rather than a, a team, but they've got huge names there. You know, even Maguire, and you know, yes, he's having a bad season so far, but mm. we know from the last couple of seasons 
you know, he, he struggled when he first went there. Now he's had a couple of good seasons. Now he's struggling. So we know he's a good player. So they've got, you know, world-class players, internationals in virtually every position. Surely you can't go and add anything to that. So no, maybe it's... like you said, maybe they've said, this is what you've got to work with, make them mm. better for six months. Yeah, I, I can't see him bringing anyone else in. And, and again, if, if he's not bringing anyone else in, which you couldn't see the point of him, of him doing if he's there for six months, you, you then can't see him weeding people out if he's only there for six mm. months because that is exactly what I think needs happening there. I've been saying it a long time that whatever ability Paul Pogba's got, which is fantastic, he's got so much ability. But mm. for me, I, I'd, I'd like... I mean, it looks like he's going to leave on a free now. I would have offloaded him six months ago, a year ago, because he should dominate a game of football. Every time he walks on that pitch, he's got the ability and the physique to dominate a football match every time he walks on that pitch, no matter who he plays against. And he, he does it in, in little tiny pieces and then everyone raves about him. And for me, it's not enough for the ability that he's got. So he's one that I would have farmed out. The Van der Beek's always been a puzzle. You know, why Why mm. did you not use him more? He was a great player at Ajax. Um, I, I sort of watched him the week. 40 actually. million for him or whatever Yeah, I watched yeah. him against Villarreal and he was sort of, I was wanting him to press hard. I'm thinking, mate, you've just cut your opportunity and you're just jogging around the pitch. But maybe that's how they've been asked to play. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But been mm. a fantastic player. You know, Fred, constant frustration. You know, it needs someone to go in and go, you know, Matic been a great player, a few massive clubs, pull him out, pull Fred out. McTominay maybe, you know, persevere with, get Van der Beek in there. Let's look at Manchester United going forward. And right now they're still mixing and matching what I would call the old guard. And then they definitely need a centre-back or two. And I'm not including Harry Maguire in this. I think Lindelof's not at the races. Bailly's not at the races. You know, and, and there's a massive weakness there that they need to, you know. Uh, but again, this new interim manager, I don't think, has got the authority to sort that out because in six months' mm. time, he's not in the job. Yes. So so what yeah. is it? For me, he's coming in, they're saying, this is the squad, steer us to the end of the season. And I think that's, a, like you say, for, for one of the biggest clubs in the world, is someone just going to come and take the tiller, you know, yeah. for a small yeah. amount of time without yeah. having the authority in a massive transfer window to make a decision. It'd be interesting yeah. to see what they do. Say hi to Ankit there, Almighty Blues FC. Apparently, it's three in the morning over there in India. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I know, I know when it's the Blues, it's not the Blues of Leicester. Well, not officially, it's the Blues of Chelsea. But I think, I think deep down, it's it is the Blues of Leicester. You are, I mean, because we we are the FA Cup winners. Let's be honest with you, Ankit. And who did we beat? Oh, Chelsea. But I'm just thinking. Oh, he, he loves me rubbing that in. He loves me. And yes, I know you won the Champions League, but you didn't beat us in the Champions League. We beat you in the FA Cup final. Love you, Ankit. Love you. Um, but I think with Man, with Man United, it's a bit like, like you said, previous to Ferguson, they, they had a football team. And it might come as a shock to a few Man United fans. They, they did have a football team before Ferguson. And to be honest with you, it wasn't that brilliant. You no. know? No. Um, and they're trying to, you know, it took it took Liverpool and and Liverpool were the Man United Ferguson Man United's of their day, yeah. and they um took them thirty years to get back to to winning anything again. 
and you know Man United and Arsenal a little bit the same as well. You know, it's been a couple of seasons and they're, they're crying into, into the beer. Mm. Are they trying too hard? Instead of rebuilding, are they just trying to stick plasters on everything and and carry on? And yeah, I mean, I think with you know um, they need to be prepared to keep you know to have a bit of patience with someone but they need mm. to have a bit of patience with the right man and you know for me personally i don't think all the patience in the world with ollie would have done them any good because no i don't think he was the right man i think they need to do their own work bringing the right man i mean for me at the minute i can't see anyone past potuccino if i'm honest i mm. think he's got the pedigree you know he's, he's been in the big jobs i think the one slight on his on his cv is that he came into Tottenham and they, they were on this upward sort of trend and, and then it, it sort of fell away and you felt like, you know, he's the manager like Klopp or Guardiola when he didn't really seem to be able to pick that back up again. Uh, yes. And that would be the one thing where I'd go, ooh. But if he'd got the backing, you know, of the club and he's got, the, you know, he inherited some players and brought some players in, I certainly think he'd be an interesting, um, you know, selection for that but it's right you know i remember as a, as a as a kid you know liverpool were absolutely massively dominant and then yeah. but then Wenger came into arsenal you know and and he was like you know what a change he made to arsenal and they went mm. from boring boring arsenal to you know absolutely fantastic arsenal and, and they had a bit of dominance and that's when ferguson got into man u and you know the 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 battles that they had were were absolutely fantastic and you know we'd like yeah. to see that again but it, it's that Firstly, getting the right person and secondly, giving him the time. And unfortunately, these days, um, you know, managers don't seem to get the time. Yeah. You know, the other week, and hi, Anthony, thanks for joining us. Um, Interesting comments, Anthony. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we spoke the other week about meaningless qualifying games. Mm. I'm just going to read this to you. England played Latvia tonight. Ooh. Do you know what the score was? Oof, I hope it wasn't a draw. No, England won 20 nil. Get in there. It's another <laughs> one to celebrate. It is, isn't it? I mean, it is absolutely pointless. Mm. <laughs> Not just the men's game, the women's game as well. I mean, you know, 3 12 20 is when they scored the goals. 3 12, 23, 6, 9, 49, 8. There's three people got hat tricks for England. Um, no, four people. I tell a lie. Four people got hat tricks. There's a penalty in there. Um, oh, unbelievable. 20 nil. What is the point? But, no, um, and it's that thing you need to segment teams and they've got to be on levels and they've all got to be on a similar you know, ability level and you put the top teams together and the lower teams together and, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it can't be nice for the Latvian team to, you know, they might have, you know, enjoyed walking on the pitch against England, but I, I don't I don't see any honour in that when you come off losing. I did not learn anything. No, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, Republic of Ireland beat Georgia 11-0. I bet they walked off the pitch going, yeah, we've got the high score tonight, guys. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm just just trying to see where where in, I mean uh, okay I mean in our group I mean have you, right, so we've played six games we're top of our group we're unbeaten because we've got 18 points we've got a goal difference of plus 53 I mean you know 
But no. anyway, that's uh, well done to the well done to the lionesses. You absolutely. absolutely should hold your hands up high. Embarrassing for Latvia. Embarrassing. I think it's embarrassing for FIFA. But well yeah. done, England ladies. Absolutely. You know, you've got to yeah. play these games. Yeah, and yeah. Well done, you know. Yeah. Um, so we're going to end up now very, very quickly. Just got one for you here. But um, we've got a fans, fans questions. And I promise you that it has got absolutely nothing to do with pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me just find it now. It's going back to what we were talking about at the start. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. David said, um, on the subject you just commented on, which I think was the um, what was the first topic that we covered, um, about booing the players. Um, as a player, is it very difficult to switch formations from game to game? So 3-5-2, 4-2-3-1. Is it easy to recall new roles assigned to you? Uh, good question, David. It's. Um, I was talking about this uh, the other day on, on something else, and it was is the fact that in my time, I think I played more in a back three than I did uh, a back four, but I played a lot of my junior football and then reserve football before I sort of started playing a lot of first team football professionally as a back four. Uh, but I think it was when, um, oh, when Liverpool went to the back three uh, and all of a sudden it became trendy and a few teams tried it out. And, you know, I was at Wednesday and, you know, we tried it out under David Plea. Um And the, the thing is, David, you've got to think that as a, as a player, you're playing in that one position. So I was a centre-back. If I played in a back four, which, you know, so the first game I played for Leicester against Sheffield United, played a back three. It was disastrous. You know, it was a bad game. And the second game, we went into a back four, but Walsh came back into the team. And to be fair to me and him and uh, Simon Grayson and Mike Whitlow, we forged a really good back four. And sometimes it just clicks like that. And it wasn't, mm. it was never a problem to me. I can imagine it being to some players. And I, I can imagine a player who's, if he's either lacking in pace or lacking in something else or lacking in height, might want the comfort of a back three. Um, it didn't really phase me because if you played in a back four, your fullback didn't really wander off if he, was, if he was on the opposite side of the pitch to the ball. So if it was down the right, the left back would tuck in and make a three anyway. And it was just a bit different with wing backs where they went across. So it's a good question, David. It never really affected me, but I can imagine some players being in the comfort zones playing in certain mm. positions in certain formations. Some people born to be wing-backs but don't really want to be a full-back because they're probably not great defenders. Uh, and I'm not saying this guy's not a great defender, and I, I can't remember his name, but he's, he's playing for Ireland at the minute and he's the, he's the right wing-back for uh, Rotherham United. And I can't remember his name, and he's absolutely fantastic. He just gets the ball and he's so positive. I couldn't see him being a right-back. But he's a fantastic yeah. right wing back, and he's doing ever so well. So I, I hopefully, uh, David, that answers your question. Um, we put. I'm just having a look if I can. Oh, that's the ladies' team. I won't be able to find <laughs> you, will I? I really. <laughs> I think oh, I'll just have a look because they've won well tonight, and of course it's yeah. the ladies' team. Yeah. As Brad says here, um, just the close twenty nil win for the Lionesses. Apparently, Brad, what you don't know is that Harry Kane had actually contacted the FA to see if he could play tonight <laughs> so that he could get the record. Allegedly. Allegedly, of course, you know. <laughs> but uh oh, yeah. Julian, as always, mate, 
not only are you top top T, you're a top man as well. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I just say hello to is it Ankit who's out in India? Because I've yeah. got some very good friends in India who've got a hotel out there. So I've been out there to to uh, Goa to Bogmalo Beach, and uh, uh, it's a fantastic place. Uh, absolutely love them to bits. Um, yeah, very good morning to you too, Ankit. And yeah. I, I've experienced Goa for ten days and. Uh, unsurprisingly, Chris, there was there was lots of drink, but there was lots of fantastic food and company and music, and uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to going back there sometime soon. Well, was that film based on your time over there? You know the one I'm going to say, the exotic Marigold Hotel One and Two. <laughs> uh, to be fair, my dad's been going out there for about twenty odd years, maybe thirty years, and it was his seventieth. And so the two guys who own the hotel are actually one of them. I think one or both were ex-footballers in India, mm. uh, and they they've got this hotel out there, and they're like firm. They come over and stay at my dad's, and the firm, firm friends of our families. Uh, and I've got mm. to say, I went out there for ten days, and uh, to say I was looked after, Chris, is an understatement. Uh, I'm going to watch those films now and just see if I can <laughs> see which one is based on you. you know? <laughs> uh, I, I can't wait for next week to see who's going to have you as their top totty. Neither <laughs> <laughs> can I. I'll, I'll send some uh, clips over, hopefully. <laughs> we'll send them to Karen at HM uh, Prison Holloway. I've got her address. And I'm sure the governess would like to vet them as well before they go through. <laughs> Julian, no, seriously, mate, you're a top man. Thank you so much for doing no, this. It's all I enjoyed it, Chris. Enjoy it. It's great. Uh, stay safe, and I will see you in a or see you next Tuesday if that's not a mean, meaning anything rude at all. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, mate. See you later. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Cheers. Julian. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye bye. bye, -bye. Uh, thanks to Julian there. Great guy. Comes on and does this for us every week. And it is great to see because I come up with these topics for him. And, you know, like tonight's, is Bruid acceptable? And, you know, I only ever see it from a fan's perspective where he can put it across, obviously, from a player's perspective. And it's, you know, surprising how much we agree on and what have you. Um, whether, whether that means I'm good or he's... He's just awful. I don't know. <laughs> Make it up. Well, third time I've got through it, and I've not had to suck a fisherman's friend. He's sat in my lounge, and he'll be, he'll be, he'll be devastated. <laughs> He's been waiting all night. He went, no. I went, no. I'm, all, I'm all right at the moment. But we're not going to be back tomorrow because I am off to St Mary's, and uh, like I say, and. Hopefully, I'll be able to have a chat with Alan Bennett when we get there. Uh, I haven't seen him for a long time. The first match I've been to, uh, first league match I've been to since COVID, and uh, obviously the second match if you include the English Super Cup. And last time, me and Alan went to um, a Thursday match away at Southampton in the winter. I've said it many times, it was 9-0. We're going to be back with this on Thursday, though.
Yes, we are indeed. Because I say I'm going to be back late tomorrow, and I don't think you'd want to be coming on at one o'clock in the morning. Um, Brad and myself will be doing the post-match show Thursday at seven o'clock, and we are going to be joined by the one and only. You've seen him on our show many, many times, Jack from um, Match Day Vlogs. Big Southampton fan, loves his coloured shirts. Yeah, that's the one. And he's promised, as long as it's not sort of 9-0 again, that he'll come on and have a chat with us about it. And then uh, that's on Thursday at 7 and Thursday at 9. It's the preview uh, prediction show with um, X-Fox Steve Linux. And uh, we'll be looking ahead to the weekend's games when we have a well, we go to Villa. <sighs> three shows done, three shows over. I need to go and get something really nice and cold down my throat. I think it's going to have to be a cider. Thanks for everything. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Thanks for sticking with me throughout the night. I feel like I've done a marathon. I'll see you on Thursday. Come on, let's hope I can bring the three points back with me from uh, St Mary's tomorrow. Good night, guys. See you Thursday. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Thank you for watching. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hello, Matt Elliott here. Hi, Alan Smith here. Hey, guys. Ian Hume here. Hi, everybody. Jerry Taggart here. Be sure to watch. Chris and Leicester Till I Die TV for all the latest Leicester City news and information. You can also subscribe on YouTube and various social media channels for the latest updates and news. Come on, you foxes! Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.